You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so this is a pre-recording of the message I'm going to share, a part of the message I'm going to share at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning at 116 West Main Street, the Oldenburg Restaurant and Brewery. So uh, we've got lots of room there for people to come. And uh, the message is always a little different than what I share online. Actually, this is just a pre-recording, so this is almost like me running through the message before I get to share it live. My wife says it's always better live, but I hope that you'll come to this but here is the pre-recorded message about five keys to getting your needs met. Hi, this is Pastor Chris Tyen, and this Sunday I want to talk to you about five keys to getting your needs met. Five keys to getting your needs met from Philippians chapter 4, verses 13 to 23. It's barbecue days in our town, the weekend celebrations and festivities. It's a great Sunday for a shorter sermon, but let's give the Lord our time and attention uh, and hope that he'll speak into our lives and encourage us. So, getting our needs met. Uh, this last year has been a time of uncertainty, wondering if we're going to stay healthy, if we're going to have a job, if we're going to have income, if our needs are going to be met. And while we took our masks off and it seemed like things were getting better, now in some places COVID's rearing its head again, and there's just no certainty. The government's been sending out a lot of checks, but we know that they're eventually going to run out of money and not be able to do that. So what are we going to do if we need our needs met? What are we going to do when it comes time to ask God for those things that we can't get on our own or that maybe money can't even buy? Sometimes sickness or difficulty or relationship troubles or whatever. Uh, you don't have enough money or there's not enough money in the world or technology or knowledge or anything to make anything better. So you can pray. That's what you can do. You can ask God. But there's five keys to getting our, our needs met. Uh, in the context of this passage, Paul is in prison facing charges of insurrection against the government. And if found guilty, he could be sentenced to death. Yet he continues to share Jesus. He continues to share the gospel. He continues to serve. He continues to share Christ with anyone who will listen, including his captors, the prison guards. Wouldn't it be great to uh, have a job where you're forced to take care of somebody like Paul, who uh, you're guarding him and he's imparting the words of eternal life to you? Now that is a benefit, a job benefit. This is the end of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And in Paul's closing statements, we find encouragement to get our needs met. So let me read the passage and then I want to uh, say some things to apply it to our lives. Let's see, last week and then uh, two weeks before that, skipping the July 4th Sunday, I shared uh, how, to come o- how to overcome anxiety from Philippians chapter 3, verses 15 to chapter 4, verse 9. And then last week I shared seven things you can do when life seems overwhelming from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. And today I've got five keys to getting your needs met, uh, Philippians 4, 13 to 23. All right, uh, just about everything I have today is from the New International Version, uh, verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Verse 16, 
For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Verse 18. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21. Uh, Paul closes the letter. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. All right, so my list isn't exhaustive, but here are five things I can pull out of the passage, five keys I can pull out of the passage that I think make all the difference in the world to God answering your prayers and to you getting your needs met. All right, so number number one, key number one, do all the things Christ desires. Uh, some of this kind of repeats what I said last week and two weeks before that, but do all the things Christ desires. Philippians 4.13 again, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, that's the one verse out of the updated NIV, the NIV 2011, that I just don't like. A matter of fact, when I'm looking at an NIV Bible, and I'm trying to figure out which version it is, this is the first place I turn. I turn to Philippians 4.13, because in the NIV 1984 version, it says, I can do all things through Christ. And in the New Living Translation, it says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But here the translators decided to update it. It says, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. And... I don't really like that. So uh, this is uh, one place that uh, I'll take my NIV updated version and I'll just uh, take a pen, cross that out and make it the way that it is in every Bible translation. But I'm happy that we have so many different English language translations that I get to choose and criticize. And it's just such an honor to have so many Bible tools and to see the differences. But anyway, I think Paul says, here I've learned to be content in all circumstances, good and bad. I think he's saying that he can accomplish what Christ wants with the resources and strength Christ provides. You know, you are going to be frustrated when your needs aren't met because you're not doing the work or fulfilling Jesus' plan. Actually, one of the best ways for the Lord to get you on track is to not provide for you, to not provide your needs, to not give you the supplies that you're asking for. He doesn't want to enable you to keep living in a life of sin. He doesn't want to keep enabling you to walk down the wrong road. He doesn't want to keep enabling you to be in rebellion to his will. You know, I've often wanted to make some money on the side. So being a pastor and being dependent on people's giving is tough. Uh, you know, it'd be so much better if I could just make my own money, do my own thing, and, you know, say, oh, well, you know, who cares what people give to the church? I can support myself. But God has called me to serve him full-time. God has called me to trust him to provide. And I can say that over the years, all my years of ministry, that God has always provided and been faithful. But every now and then I try to do a side job, side gig. And I have pastor friends, some pastor friends that do it, but it just seems like God wants my undivided attention. You know, I've had some great ideas to make additional money with side gigs. Uh, I came up with some concepts, some things that could be printed to make money. Uh, I've sold, bought and sold cars, flipping cars to make money. Um, I've come up with lots of ideas and, you know, tried to pursue them, but they just never seem to work out. And I think what's happening is that God is saying, I don't want you to do this. So it's not a bad thing that you're doing. It's just not the best thing. I want you to stay prioritized. I want you to stay focused. I want you to keep doing my will. I want your attention first and foremost. And when I get it, when you serve me, I will provide for you. 
Maybe God wants you to be really good at your job and he wants to bless you with a lot of money. And um, that's part of his plan for you. And he's going to use you, your skill and your money to help build his kingdom as you're generous to share it. But for me, Matthew 6, 31 to 34. So I was at the foremost uh, priority in my mind as far as, you know, what's going to happen next. Uh, it says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So are you doing what Christ desires? Are you where he called you to be? Are you focused on his plan for your life? Are you serving Jesus? Expect him to empower you and work through you. Okay, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that when you're serving the Lord, you show up to what he's calling you to do. Even if you don't feel like it, you show up. Even if you don't know how it's going to work out, you show up. You show up and do what Jesus has called you to do, and then his power and strength kick in. So it's when you show up and you're actually doing the work that Christ's power shows up and helps you to do it, helps you to be successful. So don't just serve in your own strength. Expect the Lord's going to strengthen you. And also don't be so busy working for Jesus that you don't spend any time with Jesus. There's that too. Um, so one Bible commentary says, Christ does not do everything for the believer, neither does the believer do everything for himself. Both Christ and the believer have part in conquering circumstances. The believer declares, I can, and he gets up and faces the circumstances head on. It is then that Christ steps in and strengthens the believer. Christ infuses strength into the believer while the believer is tackling the problem. Facing reality, there is no need for strength unless the believer is facing and struggling against the circumstance. All right, key number two, generously share with others in need. Generously share with others in need. Again, Philippians 4.14, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So Paul thanks the Philippians for their financial support, which had been ongoing because it looks like they sent it in the past and they kept sending it. So he thanks them. He thanked them for sending him aid over and over again. They were generous. They knew Paul had a need. I don't even think Paul requested it. I don't think Paul demanded it. They just sent it. And that blessed Paul and provided what he needed. Sometimes God puts on your heart that you're supposed to send financial resources to somebody in, somebody in need. And then you do that and you know you're part of God's plan. And then God can be pleased that you did what he asked and even bless you for being obedient. And it seems like the more you're faithful in uh, giving and sharing, the more God gives you to give and to share. Proverbs 11.25 says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So think about it. Who could you refresh this week? Who could you refresh? Uh, send them an encouraging word. Send them some cash. Send them uh, the resources that they need to accomplish God's will for their life. Maybe you're going to send them to Bible camp. Maybe you're going to help them to go to a, a seminar or some kind of training to help them to uh, get started in ministry or be more effective in ministry. Uh, maybe you are going to help send somebody to seminary. Maybe you are going to use your financial resources to um, help pay a bill, uh, help provide food, uh, just so many things that you can do. Uh, you give to your church, you give uh, to others in need, pray about it and ask who the Lord would put on your heart that you could be a generous person. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Refresh somebody today. 
you know, a lot of us uh, have opportunities to make money, opportunity to make money, and uh, that money goes to pay our bills. But some people, they get paid, and they're like, they have more money than they know what to do with. So they're like, well, we could put it in the stock market. We could invest it. We could save it. We could buy Bitcoin. We could do blah blah blah. We could take a trip into space here pretty soon. Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So think about what it is that you have. Think about what it is that you want. What do you want to acquire? What do you want to accumulate? What do you want to get? What's that next car that you want to have? What features does it have? And think about, okay, is this a need or is this a want? Is this more than I need? What, what would happen if I use that money for something else? If I use that money to be generous and to help build, God, build God's kingdom? 1 John 3.17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So we should help when we see a need that we can help with. You know, sometimes um, when we uh, have way more than we need to cover our costs and we are generous, then God will give us even more. God will give us even more. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you're going to be generous, God's going to be generous back to you. So, all right, Philippians 4, 17 to 19. Paul says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Did you see how that paragraph ran together? Did you see the context of that whole thing? Did you see that the verse 19 is not standing out there by itself as a separate statement or promise, but it's all tied into the same context? The church's giving was sacrificial, and it was seen and rewarded by God. The gift cost the Philippian church. They were a church that gave, not just a percentage, but sacrificially. And so their gift is said to be a definite sacrifice, accepted and well-pleasing to God. Their gift is also said to have created a need among themselves. So in context, the your, quote, your, unquote, that Paul is giving to you in Philippians 4.19, who is that? That's those people that gave sacrificially, that church that gave sacrificially, those people who were faithful to use their resources to further the work of God. So I believe this is a conditional promise for those who have been faithful in giving to the Lord's work and sharing with people as they are able. So I personally teach believers that they should give to support the work of the Lord, and a a true tithe to your local church is a great place to start. So look at your income and resources and ask yourself, how much do you need for yourself? And how much of what God has given me is meant to invest in God's kingdom ministries. Uh, Remember that God may increase your resources to increase your standard of giving more than your standard of living. So when you get a raise, that doesn't mean you need to go buy a new house. When you get a raise, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to upgrade all your cars. I mean, there might be a time to do that sometime, but God's not always giving you increase so that you can spend more on yourself. Sometimes God's giving you increase so that you can Uh, Give more to support others, to support your local church, to support other ministries. So, but remember, there's nothing that you can do to make God more pleased with you than to be generous. Whenever we help others, especially those who minister to others, we are presenting a sweet-smelling offering to God. 
So there are really only two kinds of people in the world, takers and givers. The only ones who really enjoy life are the givers. If you want to go through the rest of your life all stressed out, be selfish and stingy. If you want to enjoy the rest of your life, be generous with your time, talent, and treasure. Paul leads by example and reminds us what Jesus taught. Acts 20, 35. And everything I did, Paul said, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus also said in Matthew 6, 20, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. All right, number three, key number three, hold on to Jesus and let go of sin. Hold on to Jesus and let go of sin. This doesn't actually fit in the context of the verses that I read to you, but it does fit in the beginning of the book in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, where Paul says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, are you pure and blameless? Are you abounding in the work? Are you full of love? Are you uh, letting go of sin? Um, Hold on to Jesus and let go of sin. You know, the Lord may not provide what you need if you're going to keep holding on to sin in your life, unconfessed sin in your life. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So let go of the sin you are enjoying. You know, sin can be fun for a season. Uh, The sin you are enjoying, the sin you are pursuing, the sin you are considering, the sin you think about or fantasize about. Sin can be fun for a season, but it often leads to sadness and disappointment and regret and even a feeling of separation from God. And when you are embracing sin, you are not going to be fruitful. John 15, 5 says, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So, When you are living in the Lord, when you are living with no unconfessed sin, when you're living righteously, remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ, you're free to ask the Lord for the things that you need, the things that you wish. And if it's according to God's will, He will answer you. He will uh, usually answer your prayer and give you what you need. You know, one other thing that it talks about prayer uh, that's directed towards husbands is uh, you know, let go of sin and let go of mistreating your wife. Let go of mistreating your wife. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Do you see that? Do you see that? If you're not going to treat your wife well, it might hinder your prayers. That's part of the key. Know that uh, that key, that lock's not going to open if you are not treating your wife well. What do we do if we've been fallen in sin? We confess that. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. All right, key number four. Key number four, ask God to provide all my needs. Ask God to provide all my needs. So many times we don't have because we don't ask. Philippians 4.19 again says, My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? So Jesus is teaching us that we can ask for our needs to be met. 
He created us. He knows what we need. He knows the things that we need to survive and the things that we need to be successful and the things that we need to accomplish His purposes and to do the ministry He's called us to. So we need to look to God to provide our needs. We need to pray for our needs to be met. We need to know that the promise is for needs, not wants. So I was praying for money for my first car so I could get to work, which is a need. And I specifically was praying for $550 for a Jeep Commando that was for sale down the street. Instead, God provided me a 1971 Dodge Coronet for $50 that my friend's little brother jump-started backwards, had the cables uh, switched around, and I was able to fix it. Uh, The car had a big hole in the floor, all rusty, so there was a shed panel covering the hole in the floor so the driver's feet didn't fall off, so I couldn't do Flintstone stops. But I bought that car for $50, fixed it up, drove it for a while, eventually sold it for $190, Bought another car for $425, fixed it up, sold it for $950, bought another car. This went on for a long time until I bought an Alfa Romeo, and then I lost all my money into the Alfa Romeo. So, different story for a different day. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 talks, 2 Corinthians 9 talks about finances and giving and people praising God. So, do you realize that when you're faithful to give to God, do you realize when you're faithful to work Uh, according to his plan and use your resources for good, that it can lead to people praising God because of what you did? 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And some people stop there and they're like, see, I'm not supposed to be compelled to give. God wants me to be happy and I feel happy when I keep my money to myself. But the verse, the context, it continues on. So don't stop there. Listen to what else it says. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, and the service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Verse 14, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their surpassing grace God has given you. So that's a result of you being faithful with your finances. That's a result of you being generous. That is a result of you sharing. That is a result of you giving and God giving back. So be that kind of person. Do those kinds of things. I trust God to provide because I've been faithful to give a portion of my income back to Him, and I've also shared with those in need as I was able. I also trust God to meet my needs because I am saved, born again, adopted as a child of God. I am in Christ, and I have the Holy Spirit. So Psalm 6-4, turn Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Verse 9, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Would you like to receive Jesus right now? Would you like to, do you hear this? And would you like to receive Jesus? You know, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as we are living this life without Christ, as we are doing things that are against God's will, or as we're just living outside of the will of God, uh, we are sinning and we reap the reward of that, which is separation from God. From God. Uh, separation from God, death. Uh, the Bible even talks about uh, people without Christ going to hell for all eternity. But there's no need for that because the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we need to receive that gift. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you been born again, born of God? Would you like to receive Jesus right now? Would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you? If so, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me. Teach me how to live. I want to follow you in your ways. Accomplish your purposes all of my days. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Or something similar to that. And let us know so we can send you resources to help you to grow in the Christian life. But I expect God to provide my needs because I know my motives are pure. James 4.2, you desire but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So motives are huge. Let me share my amazing answer to prayer. I've shared a lot of uh, answers to prayer before. And maybe if you've been around for a long time, you've heard this one, but that's all right. It's worth hearing again. Uh, This is not the one where I pray for a wife and she shows up at my parents' house and buys their car. And then a few months later, I marry this girl who came to my house and bought my parents' car when I wasn't even there. It's not that one. It's not the one where I commit to tithe, even though it doesn't fit in my budget. uh, And I end up getting a bonus and a new position and raise at work within a month. That's not that one. It's not the one where I pray for a truck to pull the church trailer and through circumstances on a Saturday, I, uh, a 4 by 4 worth over $7,000 gets donated to the church for me to use. It's not that one. It's not the one where I'm mysteriously sick and think my ministry and life is basically over and God heals me. It's not that one either. So this one's all about God's timing. Let me try to keep it short. So the dentist extracted my wisdom teeth early on a Saturday morning. I went home, and while I was laying there on the couch, my wife handed me my favorite magazine, The Auto Trader. Remember those where they used to list cars? You had to go buy them. It was in print. That was before we had the internet. At least I didn't have the internet. Sure, somebody did, but not me. Anyway, uh, there I was on the couch reading The Auto Trader, and I saw a black 1980 Grand Prix that I just had to have. And under the influence of painkillers, somehow my wife let me drive, I bought it that afternoon. But since we could only afford to insure and maintain one car, I was selling the other car, uh, my wife would end up taking the Grand Prix to her daycare job. One day she calls me from work. She was mad at her daycare job. She calls me. She's like, come get your car. It's in the intersection of such and such and such where it died. I left it there. I walked to where I work. You can come get your dumb car. And then she also shared that she didn't like trying to get the car seat in the back seat, uh, the two-door. Uh, also, she didn't like the big doors and she wanted a four door. So we had to go out and buy a Cutlass Sierra. So then I needed to do what I could to uh, quickly fix and sell the Grand Prix before the insurance was due in about three weeks. 
So I put the car for sale and advertised it. And I prayed it would be sold by the 20th of the month. Otherwise, I'd have to pay the insurance on the 21st. So I prayed that it would be sold by the 20th of the month. And I really prayed about it. So I repeatedly prayed, claiming prayer promises from the Bible, and trusted that the car would be sold by the 20th. One week went by. Nothing. Some people came to look at it uh, the next week, but no buyers. The morning of the 20th, this young guy comes to see it. And while he was driving it, the check engine light came on. That was before we had these little uh, OBD checkers that we could figure out why the check engine light was on. Back in those days, I didn't want to pay anybody to find out why the check engine light was on. Couldn't afford it. Uh, he drove it, kind of liked it, said he'd think about it, made no commitment. Uh, was praying that our car would be sold by the 20th that afternoon, that evening. So we were about to end the day. We were about to go to bed. Um, you know, thinking, you know, usually... 10, 10.30, I head to bed and get up early. But it was about 9.30 on the 20th. 9.30 in the evening on the 20th. And I was praying, Lord, it doesn't seem like you answered our prayer. I literally said this. I said, maybe you're in a different time zone there. I really thought you were going to come through. I trust you. Help us to pay our bills. Uh, we need to sell this car. And a little after 10 p.m., there's a knock on our door. Like I said, I've bought and sold a lot of cars before. No one's ever come to my house after 10. So I knock on the door. It's the guy from this morning. He has cash for the car. He wants to take it now. It's still the 20th. God came through at the last minute. We had a God sighting. We had our needs met. God's timing made it obvious he was answering. And we've had many answers to prayer over the years. It doesn't always work that way. We have faith even when it doesn't work out, even when God doesn't show up and answer our prayers like we think. Sometimes God answers with yes. Sometimes he answers with yes, but not now, not yet. Sometimes he just says no. But the thing is, we prayed persistently. We prayed confidently. We prayed scripture promises for answered prayer. We check our motives. We confessed any known sin. We prayed expectantly. God waited until the last minute to answer our prayer. And now we have an amazing story to tell about God's faithfulness for the rest of our lives. Key number five, express my attitude of gratitude. Express my attitude of gratitude. Philippians 4, verses 20 to 23. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially for those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So God, who supplied Paul's needs and met the Philippians' needs, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he promises to meet our needs. To God belongs all glory forever. So Paul broke into a doxology of praise as he remembered God's great love and provision. God alone deserves all glory from his creation. Amen. So be it. God usually meets our needs through other believers. Therefore, Paul mentions people through whom God has met his needs and who send greetings from Rome to the Philippian believers. All were used by God to support and encourage Paul during his imprisonment in Rome. You know, another encouraging verse that we bring up just about every week when it comes to hardship, when it comes to difficulty, when it comes to getting our needs met, when it comes to working out God's plan is Romans 8, 28, that says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So I don't know what you're going through, but you can trust that God knows best. God is at work. You need to be asking for God to provide your needs. You need to be trusting that he will. You need to be living a life that's worthy so that he can, there's no sin in your life. There's nothing that would make your prayers, keep your prayers from being answered. There's nothing hindering the prayer in your life. Next week will be my final message. 
at River Rock Church. A well life is full of faith, friends, and farewells will be the title of that message. My wife and I came to Belle Plaine and planted River Rock Church. The Lord has blessed our efforts all of these years. Now, after serving the church and community 19 years and nine months, God has made it clear it's time for us to move on and start a new venture, and I look for a new church to serve. River Rock is looking for a new place to meet and a new pastor to lead them into the next chapter of ministry in Belle Plaine. In the transition, I will be serving and ministering through my personal website and Facebook page, christian.com. C-H-R-I-S-T-E-I-E-N.com, hoping to share ways to connect people to Christ and promoting living well lives. When I committed to serve Jesus wherever He wanted me, I knew I might be moving around and I'm excited about the future. So please keep praying, participating, and giving to support River Rock Church and watch for guest pastors and new ways of doing things. But support River Rock Church. Give online to riverrockchurch.com slash give. Send your prayer requests and get the latest information about life groups, youth, and kids ministry and more at riverrockchurch.com. Matter of fact, coming up in the beginning of August, first week, first Monday through Friday in August from 10 to 11.30, there are uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship uh, Backyard Clubs. So Backyard Clubs. So if you're interested in that, uh, go to riverrockchurch.com find out more about it. All right, that's the end of my message. So I hope that you'll have an awesome week and that we will see you soon. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.